I'm thinking of advocating for a, a national successful person's day where people like me who identify as being successful can be recognized as such. You're being triggered. I'm triggered by your statement because your want for success and to be identified that devalues my success. And you're not really acknowledging um, our collective success. Your definition of success is, so, is watering down the actual definition of success for successful people. Well, by, by simply saying that you know what a successful person is, I think that you've disqualified yourself as being able to properly identify as successful. We talked about two different things. What did we talk about? Uh, the article. Yeah, so uh, the article about Osama bin Laden. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I, I'm interested in hearing what jumped out at you about that. Um, and let me just go back here. Um, there was also the the sermon that you sent me, which, um, you know, could open an interesting discussion about the role of Israel from Christian and Muslim perspectives, if you want to talk about that. Um, we talked on. See, we talked about it last time. I talked said that talked about the surah, talked about in the Quran. It says that the, that Israel is supposed to be for the Jews, right? Yeah. Um, but there is there is a there is a caveat there about stewardship because it's about the covenant. So that gets a little bit it gets a little bit hairy. But the letter to America, did you read it? Um, yeah. So, so what jumped out at me is that that's something that's 20 years old. That's now kind of reemerged in the popular, um, view. Right. So should I, should we, you want, do you want to do a lead in? Should we do a lead in? Sure. Welcome to Crossing Faiths. Christian Muslim speak. Religion and politics. Today's topic is. Today's topic. Osama bin Laden's letter to America. <laughs> Sorry. I was so distracted by this kind of like ping pong dynamic that I, I, I just found myself sort of just like in the aisle wandering to the I was like, well, <laughs> I feel like an intro that's just putting his bag down and saying, well, uh, uh, you know, what is this all about? As if we do not have uh, a long standing conversation that seems to never end. Right. I, no, I just, it just kind of came across as just like a little bit cheesy and I, I just know why I was participating in it. <laughs> so you were participating of your own will, but I hated every minute of it. I love it. How was your Thanksgiving? We shouldn't dispense with the niceties. Are you pro Thanksgiving? Are you pro oppression? I'm pro gratitude and um, apparently pro colonization. Yeah. As a result of that. It's, it's interesting. I had a lot of people, um, who came into the cafe who, who who said i don't know why i'm here celebrating oppression like making like stand and and you know in order you know speak very very loud about it and they speak and i and i i had trouble i had to tell two people i was like don't don't do that <laughs> it seems like an, an interesting opening for a conversation well why are you here celebrating obsession or so I pressed him. I said, well, as I said, I said, I said, don't do that. He said, we don't, I said, that, that's not allowed here. Yeah. I said, this, this, I said, this is not, you know, we, 
is it, you know, we, 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 uh, you know, small business, we, we, and it, you know, we, we provide is, and here we're going to talk about all this stuff, but I don't have a, I don't have a list on my door that says, you know, uh, these people are welcome with a list, you know, I don't, with a, um, you know, those signs that are virtue signaling that say, you know, this is a safe place for blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, maybe, maybe you should, like, you have a, a sign on your door that says no pets. Maybe you should have a sign on your door that says no virtue signaling. No, I was, I says like no politics, no soliciting, no this, yeah, religion. I have, I have that on the door mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I, I, you got to say that there's none of that so that it is a place where anybody can seek refuge. Yeah. And, and we've had that. I had, had a lady that was, his being chased by her husband and police had to come. We've had people that felt threatened to come into the the bakery and, and seek refuge. We've had that on two people. One, one, I think it was a gender type of thing. And the other one was a, um, a faith type of thing. Someone was not, it isn't like there was roving bands of people, but <laughs> there was, there was some kind of dispute that led to someone not feeling safe. But I had two people say that, uh, and then and, and, uh, I'm supporting oppression. And, and I said, well, I look at it like the, like the Christmas armistice in World War One. Yeah. That's how I look at it. You know, you can't do the math on the, on the fighting in the trenches in World War One, but both sides decided at this moment in time to, you know, put their arms down and play soccer and exchange gifts and just have a moment of goodness. Uh-huh. And that's how I'd feel Thanksgiving is. Uh-huh. Now, the first customer yesterday was the American native. And so he came in. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I know him relatively well. And so I, I was like, what's, uh, what's going on? And he was like, you know, I said, he ordered his sandwiches, disorders, and they, you know, I mean, we were chatting a little bit. And, uh, people were saying happy Thanksgiving because they came in, you know, and so, you know, I pulled aside. I said, like, are you, are you all right? And it was, he goes, he goes, yeah, it's a little, I said, what's, what's, I said, what's going on? I didn't like ask him, are you okay with Thanksgiving? Yeah. He said, are you, I could tell he was like a little bit off. I said, what's going on, buddy? And he's like, well, it's, it's difficult because, you know, if you're an American native to celebrate a day is like a betrayal of your people, kind of like an Uncle Tom. Yep. But if you, don't if you if you don't if you don't celebrate, you're sort of buying into a different narrative, and he goes, you know, it's like it's it's somewhere in between. It's different for the natives here in New York because they're on their ancestral land and they in flourishing, hmm. you know, with a small act. His words, not mine, um, because they've got you know the casinos and all this other stuff going on, and you know, and like I said, they're you know the the, the nations are the airplane on there, except for land, they're doing that they I'm not making a judgment of how healthy that is. And so we were chatting about the back forth of that. And that was, a, it's interesting though, the first customer was American native who's late to be the nations. So they were a And, uh, 
And so, but he, he's like, look, it's another day. Just grabbing breakfast, just doing my thing, you know? Yep. And I was like, if you want to wish me a happy Thanksgiving, that's okay. That's okay. And tomorrow, and I said, I said, well, I said, I kind of, I had to go through the process of like, well, it's kind of like this, this, that harvest, the Christmas harvest is very World War One. Um, but aside from that, on, on, you know, it's, it's a different, it's just a day that we get together with family, hang out, do whatever. Uh-huh. I celebrated it on Tuesday. Yep. With Pete Wellington. <clears throat> How cool is that? Yeah. You know, it sounds like it, it's like a like a name of a street fighter. I know. It, that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think, uh, but that's what I celebrated. But you had a good one? You know, good Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was nice. We just um, had Brittany's parents over and, um, uh, Harvest was here, so that was fun. Um, yeah, pretty quiet and nice to just have people over and have way more food than we need. And um, I think that's at, you know separating your life from from historical context. Just having a day that is set aside to be grateful for the abundance that we enjoy in a specific way. Um, has you know some value and merit to it. I I would say we could probably be doing Thanksgiving better if it were projected more outward than inward. Um, if that's the spirit of it. Um, but for what it was yesterday was a nice day, and um, I think that one thing that we touch a lot we touch on a lot in these conversations is that it doesn't take very long digging into any historical or social scenario before it just becomes too complex to parse out in any simple way and you know this is just another example of that i mean it's it's rooted in this very kind of um uh shaky historical um scene yeah uh, I, I, I like I, I I don't I think that the historicity of the Thanksgiving meal as we understand it is somewhat in question um but the fact is that when um settlers from Europe came to what is now the United States in the beginning they had an extremely hard time most of them died they they didn't know what they were doing in terms of you know obtaining food in this part of the world and so they relied heavily on the native people um whether it was through trade or diplomacy um or conflict, or conflict to provide them with the resources that they needed to survive um and it was an extremely you know complex intense situation depending on the you know the time and the location and, and that sort of thing but here you know th- when when i imagine that point in time i really imagine the american i'm sorry the, the european colonists coming more or less hand in hand to the natives uh, needing help to survive as human beings. You need 
in order for a holiday to be worth something, it needs to be anchored in something of value. Uh So you can make up any holiday. And I don't know, and this was my comment to the people that made the statements yesterday. You know, what, what would you rather do? And so you would rather just make up a holiday of goodness and it, and it's just goodness for the sake of goodness, which is great. Mm-hmm. But we all, as a country that's evolved or as a people that's evolving, you want to anchor good, good, good tidings, good feelings, the, 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 the motivation to do something different than you do in your normal life, your everyday life with something that has meaning. Uh-huh. And so I use the, Chris, the, the Christmas armistice in you have two warring sides fighting during World War One. Okay, they didn't invent Christmas, but there's is something magical about that. It used to be it used to be uh, at, on Cap Hill. They used to do the 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 Capitol snowball fight. Uh-huh. They don't do that anymore because of party politics. Not but about it, but it was something that used to happen all the time. Well, because someone got hit with a snowball in the ear. And then threatened to sue, and that was it. <laughs> Holy crap! I mean, that's that's how that's one of the many things that happened that destroyed the annual snow fight. When was that? It, it it. I think the last time it happened was somewhere in the nineties. Yeah, um, I never even heard of it. Uh, it was a re- it was a normal regular thing, and so. You know, it was a moment to it was like you blow up some steam. Uh-huh. You you get to sort of casually interact with everybody. Um and party politics aside, you, you could you could you could just you could have you can have at it a little bit. Um when we're talking about the that Christmas and, and World War One, I, I mean some things to come to mind is that they were both they both had an understanding, both sides had an understanding of celebrating Christmas, right? Because both sides were Christian culturally. And so they had this common belief system. And by conceding to that common belief system, I think under the surface, they were also conceding to the fact, because the, the result of it was a truce for the night, Right, they were conceding to the fact that what they were engaged in in that moment was antithetical to the belief system that they shared. Well, but, 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 I mean, I I don't know if it was this ideological sort of thought process. I think they were in a hopeless situation. It's Christmas Eve. You want to be home. You want to be. You want warm food. You you, you know everybody's thinking about you know their families, and I think it's less. Theological and ideological that it is like you're 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 on a ho- it's a holiday and no one really wants to be there you know like at, at its basis moment um yes I, I think that yes they they have that commonality of being Christian and they have the commonality I think all that exists that's they're culturally the same uh-huh. um from maybe a theological com- conversation I mean, yeah but okay that, but. It wasn't just a holiday it was Christmas and and in you know within the context of Christmas. There, there is this, this understanding, this theological underpinning of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Right. 
And but right. you could easily do the math real fast and be like, well, I, I, Jesus wasn't born in the twenty. You know, you could easily sort of. I'm trying to do what people do, like they were doing. I don't. I shouldn't be celebrating Thanksgiving because of you know the the historical elements of it. You know, they try to do the math. You could easily go down that road with Christmas, um, and and try to do that with with that. But it's not. That's not the point. The point is good. Use this peace on earth, goodwill of man. But I think that. The biggest part, the thing that I take away from it is like camaraderie, you know, camaraderie brotherhood. The, that the, you're just at a point where you're just you need to let off steam, like the snowball fight, and you're trying to figure out a way to do it. And everybody's just sitting there tense, and it just takes a, just something, a little nudge to move in that direction. I think that there's a the I, I I hear what you're saying, and I think that you, you like when you look at it superficially. I think that you're right about that. It was just a bunch of people who found themselves in a stupid, hopeless situation and they Super, were homesick. Why superficially? Why? What do you mean? Well, because I think that underneath it, there are necessary theological underpinnings. No, we're, so, we're, but we're agreeing with that. We're saying, I mean, you know, we're, just, <laughs> we're completely agreeing that an event has to be tied to something of meaning that is, that has a cultural anchor somewhere. That's, yeah, okay. So, so that's, that's, which is why I, I started saying what I was saying. I think, I, think that you're, I think that you're right about that. I think that if you try to create a holiday that does not have that core nugget of profound meaning, yeah. then it won't hold. Or, yeah, or you, don't, you, don't, you just don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. You know, um, so, so Hallmark creates all these, 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 these... Yeah, Father's Day, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day. Right. And which are which, you know, are relentless with, you know, that they it's just a gauntlet out from 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 Christmas. Yep. It's worse holiday wise from Christmas, you know, January, February, March, with all these 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 strange uh Hallmark holidays. And but and everybody just kind of looks at it as like an aggregate for gifts. Yeah, it's just a you know, it's it's a way to keep the market the 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 money flowing. Right, but this is why like say that's why Valentine's Day is so is celebrated because it's actually tied to something, like a dude. Is there's a Saint Valentine, right? There, there is. I mean, and then the Cupids and all that other, but you know that you know it's tied to a universal concept of love. I mean, they sell it, it. It go to go to Pakistan. They love they love Valentine's Day there. Really, love it. Why? Because it's sort of an, I, I see, uh, I'm getting in trouble. It's certainly this non-religious holiday. One thing I know, but when it comes to Pakistani culture and it's diverse and you know, interethnic, intersectional, all that stuff. Passionate, love, love, and so it's like it's like an Eid of love. So at the end of Muslims celebrate Eids. Which are people sitting staying with Christmas at the end of Ramadan, you have Eid al-Fitr, which is you know, and, and is the end of Ramadan, which is a big celebration. You have Eid al-Adha, which is the, the, the Eid sacrifice, and and so, which is about sixty days after the end of Ramadan, and all Eids are the same. It's everybody gets their clothes, everybody gets a big meal. It's usually multi multiple days, cut to the loud, uh huh, and and then you go. To other people's houses, and everybody has like welcomes you with like their meal that they're having over the course of X Y Y Z days. That's the right way to do it. That sounds nice. It's fantastic. So, um, it, it's 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 not easy on 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 the, on the men because you have to you you got a bankroll that not only the meal but the clothes too. So it's a lot. Yes. And then theoretically you're driving. So it's it's you know I, I'm not gonna 
yeah, it's 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 a, sometimes you're it's a little bit traumatizing. But uh, I, but but everything is you know that's that's the purpose of like you know there are my struggles and my my, my you know my truth. Uh, so, but it has everything needs to be anchored in something. So if you just kind of create this like e, it doesn't work. But in Pakistan, you know they've created this e around. And a lot of Muslim countries, but Pakistan sticks out around Valentine's Day. So everything like the red balloons and all this other stuff, and and everybody is really into like sort of like this eat of like love, but not love like it's sort of like endearment. Okay, so it's not romantic love. There, there's a there's a component of that, but the entire country celebrating this sort of endearment. Um. You know, is it really well? Is it called Valentine's Day, or do you think? Okay, yeah, you so that you're gonna be like, what? So it's based on a, a Christian saint. It is based on a Christian saint. So that's the thing. It's that's it's it's strange, but the point of the I think the point is is that it's anchored in something that is now transcended that and is global, but it has some origin. Right, it needs something. Uh, I don't think I don't know if anybody in Muslim countries does the math on on. Well, how many people do you talk to that actually knows anything at all about Saint Valentine? Well, I mean, and I know he existed, right? I, I'm not sure what was going on with him, and I'm not sure why he's associated with love these days. But I think he probably, uh, you know, had a. It was sort of like Valentino. I think it was like from what it was like, you know, in my mind's eye, I feel like he was uh, sort of like this. Uh, Seductive scene. No, I don't know really know. You know, it was uh, that's it. But but that's my that's that's exactly. But I know that's not true. But I feel like he probably was the guy. Who was like, listen, you need to get married right now. Look up. Yeah, there was a there is a legend about Saint Valentine that he performed marriages for people that otherwise could not get married. I cannot remember exactly why. That's, that's the thing. thing. He was just yeah. Hey, you should get married. Right. No problem. So do it. So he, he as. In his role as a priest, he facilitated marriages, and out of the Catholic thing, right? So it's a and shot. Then, yeah, I mean, we could look it up if you wanted to. What maybe we can do that in February? That's a great, actually. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, it's it's like it, it's this sort of, um, as you say, a hallmark holiday. It basically is just hyped up so that people will spend money. So it becomes something is sort of like so it's part an obligation. Anchored in something real. Yeah, that's the point I was trying to make. And so you could have a, I don't even know, an International Donut Day or an International whatever day that they that they just keep making these holidays. Yeah. And uh, and I'll give you. So it's t- today today is Black Friday, but guess what it is? It's it's National Indigenous Population Day, huh. American Native Day. Well, but 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 American Natives didn't make that up. Right. So, so someone else did. Yeah. Because it's right after Thanksgiving, and so the maybe American Natives were involved in it. I don't know that the origin of. But the bottom line is, is that if if you have if you had the Iroquois Nation, or the Paiutes, or the the uh, you know the Crow, or whatever it is, and they and they said it's National Indigenous Day, I think everybody'd be like, what? And they, and lean in. Yeah. And it'd be like related to you know Pontiac or. Geronimo or whomever, you know, like a like a, a real dude. Yep. You'd be, you know, I think people would lean in and be all about that. Yeah, I would. I would much rather rather see 
Little Bighorn Day. Yeah, parades and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, we're, we're heavily socialized. I don't know, like with the American Native, with, you know, with Sea of the American Revolution, the French and Indian War, we have sites here. Um, but it would be something else to see something like that. Yep. I mean, I, you know, it would be neat to see uh, American natives. Because I think I, I don't interact with too many American natives. I do have some friends, longstanding friends in my life. Um, but as an outsider, it appears that it's very contained, uh -huh. the population. But I don't think anybody, if, if, if a bunch of American natives were here and wanted to have a parade to celebrate, you know, a either a person or an occurrence here, I don't. I think it could happen. Well, yeah, I'm not down. Okay, so we live down by the Rondout, right? Where every year there is an Irish festival. And don't don't get don't get the, don't don't do that. There's there's three Irish holidays in this town. All right, it's St. Patrick's Day. There's the Pruley, and there's the Shamrock, mm -hmm. and they're trying to work on a fourth. Okay, it's outrageous. There's an Italian festival, right? They right. one. Okay, um, then that's because we have two. There are two very very high populations here. Yeah, it, and so, we're starting to do things in in Midtown. Center Claus. Well, we don't do that anymore. Yeah, that's just the, the ties to the Dutch Christmas. The, the point I'm trying to make is that it's a way of people who have a certain cultural heritage inviting other people into that cultural heritage so it's not like you can only participate this in this if you're irish or this event is put on for the purpose of you understanding irish suffering right you're, you're, you're like because the irish people did suffer they did absolutely tremendously absolutely um in their way in their story right but that's not the point the point is okay we have this heritage it's a very mixed bag right but we're going to enjoy and appreciate the heritage for what, we're, what it is, and we're going to create opportunities for other people to to benefit from that heritage and, and to appreciate it, right? So I would I would love to know more about Native American cultures and traditions. I would love to have Native American friends if if I were somehow presented with the opportunity in the course of normal life, um, and to understand what life is like for them and what their understanding of history is and stuff like that. If we could just like. The problem is I just don't want to be, you know, personally culpable for things that I didn't do. And I think that a lot of people kind of come down and like that creates a lot of discomfort because we're trying to, to set those boundaries. Right. Um, well, but it, and here, but here we are, you know, it, you know I, I know that there's still going to be a listener who said, oh, the two non-natives who, who really are saying they would really like this holiday. It, it's, it's not the point. The point is that today is national, you know. Uh, American Native Day. And I I don't know what I'll be. I don't know what that means. Yeah. I, how can I how can I celebrate it without like being politically incorrect in the first place? Yeah. Because I'm white. Yeah. Well, but you're just not. You're just not. Like I didn't know anything about Kwanzaa until uh, it, it was I, I Debbie uh, uh, who brought me over her house and 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 Christmas or in and we and and I had no idea, and and she was like, "Go listen, I have a lot of African Americans, a lot of black friends, and it's just never come up. Yeah, it's never come up. Like and 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 I'm somebody who'll ask. Yeah, but it's never come up. And and uh, um, 
you when the second you asked me, I was like, let's, let's, I was like, yeah, rock. And I was like, is there food? Because if there's food, you got me going. Right. If it's not, if there's no food, then you're, 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 I, I will show up and I'll be cordial, but there's a time limit on it because I can't, I can't get involved yeah. in some kind of, so, but I, I, that's how I learned about it because I have some, a friend that, but I don't know anybody who's, and I didn't ask, I'll have to ask one of my American names, I'll be like, what do you think of today? And then I, I'm sure I'll get like the 411 on like what it is and how it came about. Yeah. And it's not going to be good. Oh, right. not good. It's, 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 it, it appears to be a response to Thanksgiving uh-huh. by somebody. Well, there's something similar at uh, Columbus Day, right? It has come. Oh, indigenous. Indigenous. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, okay, well, let's, yeah, let's, let's acknowledge. Phone wording. Yeah. Um, I feel like creating a, just putting a holiday on the calendar and saying, okay, this, this day is, you know, or this month or this week is in, in recognition of, of this particular group of people, right? It just seems to me to be a pretty weak, um, move. It's like, it's, it's a token acknowledgement that doesn't really mean anything. Well, it was, what was interesting as we talked about last podcast, I drew a picture of myself as a dragon. Yep. The assignment from the art students at New Pulse was, who, who do you want to be within five years? Uh-huh. And there was a distinct separation between the younger generation and the older generation on what that question even meant. Right. So, um, Indian, a friend of mine, she drew a Christmas tree because she is all about like goodwill and, and, um, thoughtfulness and caring and generosity. And to her, it was a Christmas tree. Uh-huh. Um, they asked me why I was roped into it. They came into the shop and wouldn't leave until I did something. And I said, I don't, I never, I never confronted with that question. And that, and if I, if I was like you're doing right now, just, I would just want to be me better than I am. Yep. Yeah. Um, maybe I can be a few inches taller, but yeah. that's what that's, that, that's generally it. Yeah. And, and they, they, they were just dumbfounded by that. And so, and I said, well, what do other people draw And they're They're drawing, um, like a, a, a multicultural them or a, a now now when you say a multicultural them, yeah, it was a uh, it was a straight one of them was it, it, the explanation of that was a, like a, a better understanding of the people around you and the and who and and how, and, and how significant they are in making you who you are, and it was it was strange conversations like that, and I uh-huh. and I said look well, that, that's that there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but that's not an ideal of like you're, you're everybody. People say who you want to be in five years. Generally, it's like uh, Elon Musk. <laughs> you know, it's generally like that. Yeah, at least that was how I interpreted somebody to look at it. I go, I never, I never wanted to be Elon Musk. I never wanted to be anybody else. Uh-huh. Um, and they, and that's maybe to my to my detriment. But I've, I've always said I just want. I, you know, I really would like to be able to speaking, speak a little bit more Russian than I than I do now. Uh-huh. But I already know Russian. Yeah, you know, I'd like to. I'd like to be able to to 
to maybe cook a little bit more, but I already know how to cook, uh-huh. you know? And, uh, so I, so I, they, I, as I was coerced into it, so I said, okay, uh, I'll draw myself as a dragon. Huh. And they said, why? I said, they said, well, you guys, you guys are boxing me into this, you're quartering me and you want something. Yep. So okay, my Thrones is popular. Dragons appear to be popular. Um, you want a metaphor for something that you value. And I think a dragon would do that. And so I drew myself as a dragon. Nice. <laughs> yep. You know, so, but it goes back to like, if it's not anchored in something, right? If you have a notion that's not anchored in any reality, it doesn't, it doesn't have no meaning. Yeah. And if there's no reference points for people, you know, I, I'm not trying to virtue signal. I'm just, I just am boy out, right? Yeah. Well, depending, the good news is that depending on the precise timetable of the singularity, you may well be a dragon in five years. It's, I already, I already identify. Right. Dragon. It's just a matter of sort of like fleshing, like fleshing yeah, that out. Really, it's been a tough crow. Uh huh. Um, you know, generally, when I get quartered, um, I, I t- and people say, you don't know my stroke, I feel you don't know my stroke. Uh-huh. And I don't say, um, but I don't, I don't know if we should say those. Yeah. Well, I, I identify as a success and it's been a real struggle for me getting people to acknowledge that I, I feel that people don't see me as successful. And so I'm, I'm thinking of advocating for a, a national successful person's day where people like me who identify as being successful can be recognized as such. You're being triggered. I'm triggered by your statement because um, your success devalues your want for success and to be identified that devalues my success. And you're not really acknowledging um, our collective success. And I feel that your definition of success is so is might be watering down the actual definition of success for successful people. Well, by by simply saying that you know what a successful person is, I think that you've disqualified yourself as being able to properly identify as successful. Well, I'm not, I'm not identifying successful. I just am. And see, you know, that's, that's just a state of mind. Your success is colonizing my success. I mean, why would my success even want to colonize your success? A lesser success. I find that highly offensive. If my laptop weren't on this table, I would flip it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh, religion and politics is been so It's. We, we wanted to talk about the TikTok phenomenon of Osama bin Zan's letter to America. So, what was what was your perception of what happened on TikTok? How, how did how did you experience or perceive it? And, and what did what's your takeaway? I was in the car when I heard about it uh-huh. a week ago, and I, and I couldn't get on the phone because I was in the car. I was driving. I don't know what I was doing, but I was I was traveling. One of my many. Um, uh, four eights because of this Israel Palestine thing. Um, it wasn't pastoral care, so was I wasn't dealing with any of my Muslim or, or Jewish friends who were processing what was going on. I had to deal with a policy brief, and I had, it had to be an in-person conversation. Um, you know, members of the some of the members of the Telescope, they love this cloak and dagger stuff. 
It's like, we're just, can we just talk on the phone? No one's listening. And if they are, who cares? Um, but here we are, I was in the car, I'd heard about this. And then I heard about people talking about it and they go, what? So then I, I know I, I was aware of the letter. Um, there's some question to its authenticity. I've seen, I've actually seen the, the, the document. Uh-huh. Which was written in 2002, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It was, and it, well, it was written in 2002, and it has, it's a typed out document, mm-hmm. right? It's like, it's like on a typewriter. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's, it, I've seen the actual document. It, there's an question to its authenticity. Okay, so let's just, let's just, fig, you know, anytime there's like a, a typed out, I learned this in Colombo, anytime there's a typed out suicide note, let right. write it. Yeah. That's a Columbo. That's a staple. So there is a question to itself at this state. Um, that's number one. Number two, it didn't really, it didn't make the news when it, when it came out, uh-huh. which would have been, it would have been, uh, I think if it was authentic, it would have hit the news really, really hard. It became one of those documents that floats around the IC and everybody kind of giggles about it and says this. And it, it strikes me, if I'm going to do an intelligence analysis of this, is it would strike me as something that someone made in an office in, in, in Langley to see if we could rally people against Al Qaeda and be yeah. like, this is too close to home and bury it. Uh-huh. Some of this may be true. You know, like I could see somebody saying that. So you, you know, we we do not want to stoke a different type of fire. Mm-hmm. And and I can see a very practical person be like, we don't need this. We're already going into Afghanistan. Right. We don't need this. So I can th- I can see those conversations. I wasn't privy to those conversations. So, uh, but but I could see it, and I remember when it was floating around the authentic document. In you know little a, and uh, and I, and I, it, it was like a so what what now, because it's all it's sort of like really gentle grievances, yeah. Um, about the, the power it it it, it 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 it's the 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 thing that doesn't sit well is that it presumes that anybody who is in power is an oppressor, and anybody who is. An underdog is righteous, right? Which, by modern or postmodern ideological standards, is why it, it would be viewed with so much sympathy. Well, but and but this is a phenomenon that has existed, really, in the public space. I would say since um, maybe five five years now, seven five to seven years now. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it started with me too. Yeah, so. In the public space, right? So it's strange that this would surface now and people would say, okay. And with the with the, the scales, the same the same sort of justice scales, right? Uh of of Hamas uh and the attack. So we're we're kinda it's kind of this weird, you know, Israel is 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 the power base. The Palestinians are the oppressed, and everything is oppressor oppress. Oppressor and the oppressed, 
And and I think Jordan Peterson had a speech about this. I'm reminded of his speech about this lens because he was on Bill Mayer and he kind of slammed Bill Mayer about this. Um, and he talked about everything is looked on the lens of power. And I I I, I vaguely remember that. I am. So. I mean, you used to be able to say 9-11 and everybody would jump on board. Uh-huh. And, and and I think Family Guy did a, a really good, but they would have the mayor race with a, with uh, uh, Peter's wife. And, and she, she says, nine, and everybody leans in. 11, and everybody's like, you know. So like everybody leans in whenever she says it. Um, the problem is, is you have a whole generation that didn't experience 9-11. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. You, I, I'm trying to think of analysis of this. Maybe I, I got to go back into theology, but it'd be you. You know, a whole generation has experienced that alone. Yeah, but you, you, you there, there's all these conspiracy theories associated with 9/11. But these, but but this this generation or these this this group of people seems to accept that it actually happened, and then it was a righteous act, it was a justified act, because America is a global oppressor. Um, or in power, and you know, and and somehow, I mean, I'm not sure if who was oppressed. It, in the letter, it it's sort of these strange. It basically outlines British colonialism, and then takes. It's like they were searched it and took out British and put American in there. Um, yeah, well, it's just bit the basic idea that the Western world has its boot in the Eastern world. I would argue that most governments of Muslim countries are the product of a post-colonial and maybe Western in in their existence because the governments that do exist in in Muslim countries are the product of of a Western construct. Yeah, I, the, the, I mean, all the basically all the borders and boundaries in that part of the world that exists now were the border in the bureaucracies yeah all western centric mm-hmm. and and i would argue that for um i would argue that post-colonialism has been very very tough on the faith there's a there is an internal struggle or reformation which we spoke about many times between political islam and islam uh, political Islam is a post-colonial movement, um, and that post-colonial movement may or may not be. There are Muslims who they're they're post-colonial activists. They're advocates that happen to be Muslim, and some of them may cease to be Muslim by virtue of their actions violating the maxims of Islam. Osama bin Laden ceased to be Muslim. The second, way before, I would say, um, 9-11, but you could say the second he transacted that violence against civilians, uh-huh. which violates the maps of one of the maps of Islam, that's jihad. And they're, they're ex- is that me? He's, <laughs> uh, garbage dead. Am I, is my far of the light? I, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah, not, not unless you parked right in front of the garage. I am the light. And the garbage cans. So when Susie violated it, attacking women and children, it says he uh, not combatants. These things, he ceased to be Muslim because he he violated one of the maxims. Yep, and he's the head of what's what I would call a doomsday cult of Qaeda. 
So when you read the letter and, and it, it, it's, it's very general, uh, it reminded me of Benedict Arnold's letter to America. Uh-huh. Which Benedict Arnold tried to justify him changing sides. He basically said, all the grievances that we have in England are over with. We should just reintegrate into the British Empire. Oh, this is... And, and, and the reason why I wasn't received what all is because the he was addressing a people that didn't exist anymore. Uh-huh. But people were British citizens and part of the empire. They were Americans. They had already transitioned after two and a half, three years of war into Americans. Yeah. And so if we contextualize the letter, it was meant to be like a sort of manifesto to rally those sympathetic to a cause of post-colonialism in Africa, whether they're Muslim or not, and 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 in the Muslim world. But it's what's happened is is that it sat and and it's it's basically been locked away in a time capsule, and then someone decided to integrate this into a progressive and woke. population that's ripe for that's looking for a new cause right because of what what in the context of the hamas that's it yeah because we're told that we need to listen to the voice of the oppressed and sympathize with their perspective and recognize that they have the right to take whatever action is necessary to address their to fight back against their oppression that's kind of like the 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 main ideology today what strikes me about the whole situation, you know, very broadly speaking, going back to 9-11 is, is that the, the response to September 11th that we took nationally was a boomer response, a baby boomer response. Yeah. Baby boomers were in power and baby boomers, um, they went through Vietnam, um, and they came out of World War II. And so while there was some distance between them and the experience of, of real conflict and real war, there is a little bit more of sort of a visceral understanding of what those things mean than um, with younger generations. Now, the response that we took to September 11th and sending soldiers overseas and invading Afghanistan, invading Iraq, these different things, the Generation Xers and the younger generations experience that as sort of like this distant conflict that they knew was happening, but they didn't have anything to do with it. So there was war, there was suffering, there was violence, but it wasn't something that we saw a lot of or experienced a lot of. And so it was There's been a lot of information well since that. I, I speak in that and I, I'm reminded of General Clark's speech where he goes King Al General Clark was 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 sitting in 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 the in the Pentagon and then in the White House. He was in the Ike building and he 
and he got this list and he says, we're going, and someone comes to him and says, his aide comes, we're going into seven countries in five years. Uh-huh. And he was like, why? And he's like, because uh, we can, you know, and, 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 and that did all that in this, there's a lot of information that's come out that have, that, that people are dissatisfied with. They have this information dissatisfied with it and they're holding on to it. So I, I think part of it is the reaction of the war on terror and the ambiguous enemy and all this other stuff. It, 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 it this, th- there's, there's something this, this allows for a, a, a focal point for the wrongs that were transacted over the last 22 years. And is that, is, and I, I'm speaking to what you're saying. Yeah, well, I, I think my point is that if, if you're, you know, 20, 30 year old, years old now, then what, you're, what you've experienced is a life of, of relative comfort, if not pampering. And you have this sort of like vague, uncomfortable notion that there are people in other parts of the world who are not experiencing the same level of comfort, who are experiencing violence and trauma. And we've become, we've been taught to be hypersensitized to our own little traumas, yeah. right? And so by definition, in order to be sensitized to our own traumas and empathetic to other people's traumas, we have to have an awareness of, of that sort of thing, but we're we're disconnected from it. And we're hyper aware of the possibility or the idea that the traumas that other people are experiencing might be our fault somehow, right? That we might have some sort of like shared responsibility for it. Um, and so I think that the, the, the point is that um, as you get subsequently younger generations from baby boomers, you have people who are in general somewhat less equipped to being able to kind of process and contextualize the reality of suffering in the first place. And so we, we are reacting weirdly and overreacting in certain ways because we don't have any practical experience that we can draw from to sort of just take a a, a practical approach to these things. Um, and my understanding of this particular situation is basically um, you're just, there, there's one very easy way to garner attention and sympathy from younger generations nowadays is to simply identify an oppressed oppressor dynamic and trumpet it. And then you can predict that a certain number of people of a certain age will automatically side with the oppressed that are being identified and not be too nuanced about the historical or broader dynamics of the situation, right? Yeah. You know, well, wait, wait, is that happening with Ukraine? I mean, yeah. You know, you had, um, you know, we had a coup in 2014. Uh, the Donbass, they were, the, the, the Ukrainians were shelling the Donbass. They don't care anything about them. Yeah. Russia comes in uh, from their perspective to rescue them. And everybody's on, on the Ukrainian side, which I am not, it, it's, it, you know, and no one cared about the, the ethnic Russians that were getting shelled for seven years. Huh. 
no one cares. Um, no one cares about the, the you know, yeah, no one cares about her. No one cares. You know, no one cares yeah. about these, these, these conflicts. And it's, it's so telling that, I mean, now that what what's happening in Gaza is happening, um, the media has largely forgotten about the Ukraine-Russian war, which is so still happening. Yeah, it was still, it was still, still going on. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, the I told you so train is around the station and that the Ukrainians were not going to, they didn't have the people to do it. Another room, but I, but I have been heavily involved in that, that, that narrative. I mean, I, I ever understood Jake Sullivan's will to go headlong into war and ignore diplomacy um, right off the bat. Uh, and and you would do everything you could to stave off war. And he, he purposefully um, made sure that he did not, on a, uh, he overstepped any kind of diplomatic elements began to push us toward war. Um, and basically just kill two generations of Ukrainians um, and a generation of Russians. But uh, um, because, you know, just sheer incompetence. Um, um, but the thing is, is like we, we, we pick and choose the conflicts and then and then arbitrarily are picking sides. Uh, at, at least that's, and in this case with the letter, it's, you know, doomsday call, you know, I'll kind of, extremely wealthy uh, Saudi prince who decides he's going to um, transact violence outside the bounds of the swamp. And, and, and then on top of that, uh, we, he hurts our country, um, hurts our people, um, and does make a statement, I guess, against the West. But to buy into that statement uh, is such a strange. It's such a strange thing. Um, yesterday, I had I was at dinner. It was a Thanksgiving dinner, and we were chatting with I was chatting with David, who's who's Jewish, and he was like so upset about Hamas's attack during a music festival, and. And it's trying to go me into a conversation, and I said, "Look, I, I think you, you, you can't." You know, I said, "I, I may, I think it's been very clear about this." I go, "Look, I'm not defending. It's not about Islam. So it's not a religious conflict. A doomsday cult attacked defenseless people, and therefore, that's that 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 that's wrong. Yeah, um, there's nothing right about that. The problem is, is that." You 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 can you can take if you're taking that slice, and you're just saying music festival terrorists attacking music festival because his argument was why didn't Hamas just parachute into uh, a an Israeli IDF army barracks? Yeah, I go because they're not a standing army. They they're, they're a terrorist group. They they're they're trying to inflict it the most casualties they can. Yeah, and you do that on defenseless people. But to their perspective, they're not defenseless. Right. They're all constricted in military. So um, at, at one point in their lives, um, they're uh, all you know, colonists. Uh, they And this goes back to 48. And we started walking through some of the broad strokes of 48. Pretty much every time we talk about this, we circle back to the recognition that what's happening in Gaza is not a religious conflict. It's something else. Um, talking about the Osama bin Laden statement, um, again, um, I don't think we're, we're really talking about religion 
Um, we're talking about a conflict of cultures that come from two different religious backgrounds. But for me, the reoccurring question in all of this is always justification. Like there, w when we look at things like the, the college protests and stuff like that, that are happening now, and, and I don't want to overstate the case because I think that that is a fairly small group of people who have this, this kind of extreme ideology um, of, uh, of oppressed versus oppressor. It, it, it works this way into, into popular culture because it has an outsized voice, but, um, you know, it, that, that particular ideology is something along the lines of when somebody is oppressed, they are justified in taking whatever action is necessary to fight the oppression. Right. And, when, when we're looking at a, a situation like 9-11 or like what happened in Gaza, there's questions of justification. Was, were the, uh, were the um, people from the Middle East um, justified in taking action against the United States because of the oppression of the United States? Were, was Hamas justified in taking action against um, Israel and the way that it did was Israel justified in taking um, action against um, Pat, uh, 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 against Hamas um, and the Palestinians because of what Hamas did to them. And um, for me, the problem is just just this question of justification in and of itself. Like, let's say that what for whatever reason you're justified in taking some action or another. You, does that actually make it okay to take that action? I think that there is a difference between being justified and being just. Well, yeah, I think we're, we, I mean, definitely in agreement about that. I mean, they're justified in being just. I mean, I believe in dignity as a human person. So the problem is, is that I have to unpack as a Muslim, the actions of these Muslims, right? So, uh, uh, and I've been put on the spot for it. Um, and then, you have to then you're put on the spot for the ashes of the Israelis. It's so that you know, um, sort of indiscriminate killing of, of Palestinians in Gaza um, under some pretense. Uh, and then you have somebody like David, who's you know part of the family and everything else, who's basically wants to look at it through this lens of a music festival because the musician is like, I would be at that music festival and I would have been killed. And I, and I and so I, I go well, you know. The problem is is that you're there's there's all these different lenses, right? So these people that are partying next to an open air prison, right? Yeah, um, and and that's that's terminology been thrown around. You know, it's weird apartheid state, everything else. And I said, well, here's the problem. There's sort of you, if you're gonna say these things, and we and my sister then sort of going me into kind of talking a little bit about the history. And I just went through this, like, just unpacked it a little bit, uh -huh. you know? And, and, uh, are you right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so he just said, look, there's three ways to look at it. And he said, that area was part of the Ottoman Empire. After World War One, Sykes-Picot Treaty sent it to, uh, transitioned it, uh, the, the, all the borders, transacted all the borders. And, and Palestine, you would have a British passport with Palestine on it. Um, that's what they issued out. And Palestine, 
was was really probably at the cusp of statehood at some manner, shape, or form in, in the turn of the 20th century, moving into some kind of state. It, it, it probably was. But all that was cut short, and it was a colonial possession of the British. The British can, can you can look at it from the set, the British can do whatever they want with it. Uh-huh. Uh, and as, as a result, the British could do whatever it was, a colonial possession, it was, it was given to the Jewish population, which solved three things for uh, Europeans. It got rid of the Jewish population, uh-huh. which the, the, all of Europe is anti-Semitic, and this was a, a windfall for them. Uh-huh. It solved the, the Jewish uh, displaced people's population a problem from, from World War II. Yep. And it established a foothold for evangelicalism, for, for Zionism. Uh-huh. And, and for the restoration of the temple, which is a real thing. And Balfour, who was behind it, a raging anti-Semitist, was l- really looking toward that restoration. And it also served as some sort of acknowledgement of and compensation for the Holocaust, right? Well, I was saying the idea, you know, yeah. I, 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 yes. I mean, I mean, yeah. So, so I'm not devaluing that. That, that would be Adam Pete. You know, I don't want to. And so, so from a from a, from a like a political science, you know, perspective, that's the kind of the analysis that I kind of gave them. Said that they solved a lot of problems. Um, you can look at it as though it's a colonial possession. The second way to look at it is a colonial possession, and you have these people that are there, and um, who are not Semitic. You know, genetic tests are illegal in Israel. Right. Yeah. So, um, and so, I mean, illegal. Why? You can't obtain them. Why? Well, I'm thinking, um, historically, um, Jewish people have been very concerned with um, genealogy. Right, but these are not Semitic Jews. They're European Jews. Okay. So that's why. Wait, that's the answer. I mean, no, me on straight lines. So that's the answer. Um, uh, because then you're, you're getting, you know, the right to return is anyone who, who, can claim Jewish ancestry and semi-prove it, you know. Um, so you could, the second way to look at it is is that is that uh, it, it, it's you, it's a, the right that's like the right of return. So there's a there's a biblical justification, right? But if you look at that, it doesn't work because Palestinians are genetically Canaanites, which were there that predate the Exodus. Yep. So so now that argument is gone. Right. Or you can do the third way. These two people occupy this, look at this real estate deal. And that's why I think that all of the, all of the Israeli, Israeli Palestine peace negotiators, all those people need to be fired. And I think you need to bring in some, uh, uh, real estate lawyers and, and, and settle this land dispute. Right. Well, basically two people that occupy this area. And and both sides are going to lose, but there may they may transact some peace. Exactly. the 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 basic point is there are different ways of looking at it. Different people have different perspectives, and from their own perspective, it's legitimate. Right. It's their own, you know. But but to, but, but to walk in and say defenses people were attacked, therefore, and not look at all this other stuff. Exactly, is completely outrageous. And that was the point I was making to David. And my sister, I said, look, you know, and they said, what, then they said, what's your stance? I go, I'll be honest with you. I've always stayed out of it. I've been thrust into it because of my government work. Justice is a very 
tricky thing in the sense that when a wrong has been done, it is right to want some acknowledgement of that wrong and restitution made of the wrong. That's that's true. Justice is it's a real thing. It's necessary. And if humans try to live for a, a you know through their if if humans try to live without a sense of justice, then we start to lose essential elements of our humanity. But I think that in any given moment um, in a complex world, the fundamental responsibility that we have as ethical humans is to say, okay, how can we address the, the problems in this situation as we experience it now with the least amount of suffering for everyone involved? Yeah, and, and like, how can we just nip the suffering in the bud as much as possible in this moment? Well, dignity dictates that we're not only going to minimize suffering, but there's going to be some kind of lasting mobilization towards something better, and that than you have now, right? right? you know, and and that means politically, economically, is because this was Dave's question. He's like, well. What do you expect the Israelis to do? They get in you to stop Hamas. I go, military operations do not stop terrorist organizations. For every one terrorist you kill, or you get, or any one terrorist you kill, or anyone that they to kill, doesn't matter. You would think that would be obvious by now, right? Yeah, you're going to create ten more. Yeah, it, it appears that the that the Israelis just want retribution, and when you're killing twelve thousand people and fifty percent of them are kids, uh, you, 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 you lose your high ground. Yeah, what's frustrating about what Hamas did is because is that it was banking on the predictability of Israel's response. Oh, yeah, they're, what's they're, frustrating about what Israel did is that it reacted so predictably. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like God, what the? Well, for two weeks they didn't even they didn't they didn't even negotiate yeah. the hostages. They just tried to figure out what they were going to do it, and and uh, and try to mobilize three hundred fifty thousand people. Um, um, uh, to, to the military and it's, and it's guys like me, it's like dad bods. Yeah. Like, so these guys, you know, aren't looking, weren't looking forward to going into Gaza. Were they going to win? Were they going to, sure. They were going to win militarily, but the Hamas was going to take as many of that as possible. Urban fighting is treacherous and, and they, they were going there they, and they have, uh, the casualty reports are, 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 we will never know how many Israelis have themselves killed. Yeah. We will never know. Okay, so um, and and you cannot be. We're talking about these these camps, these 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 it's forced marches, all this stuff. Not they're transacting the Palestinian people, and the the arbitrariness, the um, of of choosing the side is peculiar. Because in especially with our diplomatic arms, I mean, Blinken shows up with dual citizenship and says, "I'm here as a Jew." I'm so upset with that. He's a he's a he's a top diplomat of our country, and he had had no will, no will to step into and negotiate any kind of hostage release, any kind of anything. He basically said, "Get your war banners and murder Palestinians." Uh huh. And what a t- and what a terrible what a a lot sits on his shoulders and 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 Jake Sullivan's shoulders 
for allowing such such uh, 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 the, the Israelis to transact something so, so terrible on upon the Israeli people. In the same respect, and virtually no engagement by the individuals in our country who have the ability to engage the Palestinians and their months. And so you say, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, Hamas has a pair company and that's the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh-huh. So Muslim Brotherhood doesn't pull triggers. They have Hamas, they have Al-Qaeda, they have Al-Shabaab, they have uh, ISIS, they pull triggers for them. And the Muslim Brotherhood is here. And there's two appointees in our government that are Muslim Brotherhood. Um, strong ties to Muslim Brotherhood, which is Islam, Islam Society of North America. It started Muslim Student Associations, which is where you get a lot of these protests from. Right. And and so um, one was the president of ISTA, and the other one was a board member of And there are two Biden appointees, quite a bad president. So we have individuals here that have been sitting on their hands during this whole instance. And no one, no one, no one, no one wants to hold anybody accountable. Yeah. And so everybody's letting everyone transact violence. So. I mean, the problem is that when that happens, there are real people who are suffering who have nothing at all to do with those ideologies or motivations. They're just trying to live their lives. And both Israelis and both, both Palestinians, Israeli Palestinians are suffering. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I, I know that people want to devalue either side. I, I don't see that. Like the Israelis are there. You know, you you can choose. You can jump on any any ideology you want. You can sit around and say, "Well, it's a colonial possession. The British can do whatever they want with it." My sister was surprised. She goes, "What do you mean the British didn't have that for such a long time?" I go, "It's it was it was, it was a shiny new part of their their colony." You know? Yeah. Um. And 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 but the problem is, is that y- you you everybody in that region, uh, the the the. The Jewish population, the Muslim population, were transacting a lot of violence on the British, and they couldn't—they couldn't manage it. So it's essentially, that's essentially the problem. Um, but in any event, I think uh, the, I think that the problem is is that the the, the superficiality of supporting something like Silicon Line letter, because it, it's in the lens of the of an oppressor and the oppressed, uh-huh. and it go I go back to my high school years where we had this violence to justify response to political pressure. Yeah. Uh, um, the answer is yes. Yeah. Uh, but can you do it in a way that justifies your actions and presses the cause? Uh-huh. It was, uh, and Gandhi saw what he was doing as a violent act, even though it was peaceful protest. Uh-huh. I'm kind of in that camp, you know, now these days. Um, well, when Jesus said, um, since the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been seized by violence and violent men take hold of it. Very cryptic statement on Jesus's part because Jesus demonstrably was not violent and didn't advocate for violence. When you look at Jesus's example of what justice is. The example is one of 
the the voluntary acceptance of suffering um which is you know if we could see something a little closer to that understanding of justice we would recognize that there are two things in the example of 9-11 that are true it is true that there is no decent justification for flying airplanes into buildings it is also true that there is no decent justification for something like the invasion of Afghanistan or Iraq. And regardless of what the claims to justification are, the human suffering created as a result of actions like that nullify um, said justification. It, we will add on this note, and it's interesting that you, met, I mean, you, you, you mentioned Hastisa and that. And, and so Al Shikov spoke of the Prophet Muhammad. So peace be upon both of them, right? The Prophet was very careful to make sure, as a different philosophy, that he was very explicit in the rules of war and the defensive manner and was explicit on how they, he would transact violence to protect yourself. And so it's that much more important when someone misuses that under the auspices of jihad or whole war. Uh -huh. And I, I never understand why there are not Muslims shouting from the rooftops. Why my location is shouting from the rooftops when someone transacts violence like this. Uh -huh. Outside the bounds of the rules of war, because it's very explicit. It's there's no there's no room there's no wiggle room. Yeah, and and I I do understand to a certain degree, and you don't want to disagree with somebody because somebody's going to wait outside of the AK forty seven for you, where they're going to murder your family or do it, but but to let the muscles take on the banner of jihad as if it is something that is acceptable, as if something that someone bin Laden transacted in 9-11 is acceptable, is outrageous to me. Why not? Yeah, and it's not exactly the same, but in a similar way, I, I, I feel that towards conservative or evangelical Christians being okay with military action um, it, as a component of their theologically informed ideology like who would jesus carpet bomb well they just were concepts well they are like <laughs> i had a conversation with a couple people about this side i still have our time i don't know i'm not sure i understand it but you know i think that we both espouse similar views and are very detective of our communities, um, but are very disappointed at this juncture with what's being transacted, not only from our current state of events with Israel-Palestine or Burma or any of the other zone, war zones that are happening right now, conflict zones, but the next, but, but on top of that, there's a, to take up the, uh, definitely a bad guy, 
and his manifesto and count that as something that's just yeah is outrageous uh-huh it doesn't it doesn't help any of us right if that happens and the Muslim response to that has been tepid. Uh-huh. So, yeah. In any event, thank you for taking this. Have a good day. Well, yeah, good talking to you, man. This has been Crossing Face for Christian Muslims Speak, Religion and Politics. I'm John Petter. I'm Elliot Toman. And and we'll speak with you next week. Music lead-ins are from Vajra Temples, the product of Muslims from Muslims International. And... Whatever the heck I am. <laughs>